Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. So this week we're doing five laws that you might actually be breaking not knowing that you're breaking a law. So we went, you know, these are either laws that we've had some experience with or, you know, we've heard from people. We, you know, we kind of reviewed the, the Ohio Revised Code and the Ohio Administrative Code, found a couple that we didn't know were laws things that we thought might be helpful that, you know, we could potentially see people breaking unknowingly. And so we picked out five. There, there's more. We might do another one of these in the future. But <clears throat> we found five that we think are going to be good, and we wanted to sh- share them on the show today. So I'm going to kick it off. It is illegal to have shotgun or rifle ammunition on you while you're out muzzleloader hunting. So you might say, well, why would you have either of those, but I could easily see, you know, you got some shotgun slugs in your pocket from deer season or the extended gun season. You use the same blaze orange jacket for, for muzzle loading. Didn't think about it, threw your jacket on, and now you've got shotgun shells in your pocket. And if you were to get stopped, you, you know, you're, you're breaking a law. Or Je- before we started recording, Jeff brought up another one, you know, say you go out squirrel hunting and you got a pocket full of 22 shells and you forget one or you miss one because they're small, now you're out with your muzzle loader and you're breaking the law. Right. So, you know, you could get a ticket for that. And until we did this research, I didn't know that that was illegal. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, the essence of that is not to, to bust a squirrel hunter that forgot a twenty two shell in his pocket, but it doesn't mean that it's not illegal. Right. Right. I'm sure the essence is, has something more to do with, you know, they think you're doing something, something more insidious, I guess, in that you're trying to use a rifle or shotgun during muzzleloader. And if you, you know, why would you have the ammunition on you if you weren't trying to, to use one of those weapons during a muzzleloader season? Right. I think that's definitely the intention. Yeah. yeah. Not to bust squirrel hunters or somebody that forgot a shotgun slug in his pocket, you know, from gun season, but wanted to call attention to it. So and would that, I'm assuming that law would also apply to any type of backpack or anything that you would carry. I, I know it's not uncommon for people to carry the same pack for yeah. every time they're in the woods. Yeah. I would imagine so. And I, yeah, I didn't write down the specific wording of the law. We're going to, one thing I forgot to mention is in our show notes, we're going to have the actual number sub number of the code where you can find these if you want to read the specifics of them the specific wording of them we didn't want to get too legalistic in this but if you go to the show notes we'll have all the details there and you can go and read the specifics of it but i to get back to your question i'm assuming yes that if it's in your pack it's still considered on your person you're in possession of it yeah i believe the word was either carry or possess right shotgun or rifle ammunition so, so having it in your bag would satisfy both of those criteria. Right. And I believe kind of along those same lines, um, it's a different portion of it, but I'm sure it's probably close to the same area when you, if you were to look it up, um, kind of going the other way, you are not permitted to possess or carry any type of like a shot shell while you're shotgun hunting for deer. So if you have like your turkey ammo. Yeah. In your pack or I think they have a stipulation on like it can't be any smaller than a certain size shot, right? There's something in there. 
I remember reading something about something, that. Something, but yeah, I know that that's another common one you could run into. I, I think it's be a, smaller. It can't be, or yeah, it can't be, be larger, larger than, than number four shot. So if you have seven shot, like squirrel ammo, you're fine. But if you have something larger than four shot, because th- what they're trying to prevent is from you using buckshot. I believe you can't hunt with any shot shell larger than okay. four shot. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll have right. you know links to this stuff where you guys can go and read it. Right. The other thing I should mention, we're not lawyers. This isn't legal advice. We're just talking about laws that we read in the revised code the ohio revised code wanted to bring attention to them so we're not we're not giving any kind of legal advice here so just kind of put that disclaimer (laughs) so jake why don't you uh give us our next one all right the next one it's a short one straight out of the revised code so i actually read it word for word it shall be unlawful for any person to hunt with or carry a printed deer permit or antlerless deer permit of another so that sounds easy deer, enough yeah deer permit they're talking about deer tag deer tags. Your, your tag right. right um so that sounds easy enough sounds like kind of like common sense you can't use someone else's tag for your deer right um however when we got to talking about it and kind of thinking about it um people who may be breaking this law unintentionally or you know breaking it without knowing it or realizing it would be anyone who's taking a child with them hunting. You know, it's youth season. It's your, you know, eight-year-old son or daughter's first time out in the woods and in the mix of trying to get everything together because we right. know how that is. It's, you know, it's yeah. a big day. It's a big thing. You know, you just make sure you have all the legal paperwork in your bag or in your pocket. Right. You have the tags, the licenses, all that for you and your son or daughter in your pocket, in your backpack, whatever it is, you're breaking the law. Yep. And it's a big responsibility for, you know, some of these younger deer hunters, you know, I right. see all the time on Facebook, six-year-olds, it's a big responsibility to have this piece of paper on you. Yeah. You know, it's, right. they can barely carry themselves with their right. hunting clothes. So right. just having one extra thing that to lose is... Right. I mean, you know, maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good metric. And like, if your kid's not responsible enough to keep track of their tag, maybe they're not ready. I, you know, I don't know that you can yeah. go round and round about right. when, how young is old is too young or how old is old enough or, you know, but maybe just something that's a different to, topic. To, yeah. <laughs> something to keep in mind. Right. I, I, you know, you would think that somebody wouldn't really enforce that in that right. situation, but I, I do remember seeing somebody put a video on Facebook about, you know, I just got a ticket, you know, and it was that father-son situation. He had his kid's tag in his pocket, and I think think they wrote him a ticket for it, so. Right. Like you said, I'm sure that's not the essence of the law. No, yeah, that's Um, not why they wrote the law. Like, oh, we got to stop dads from carrying their kids' (laughs) tags. That's, you know. That's not um, what they intended, but however, that is the easiest way to break that law unintentionally. Right. That we could kind of come up with through our conversation. Right. All right. So Jeff, our third one. All right. Our third one. Um, this is one that I had no clue about. I kind of knew that perhaps it would be unethical in some situations, but I had no clue that there was actually a law preventing. Um, it is illegal to harvest a deer in water. Right, and it's it that 
is basically what it says. Yeah. It's not like while swimming in water. It just says in water. Right. So the way I understand that is if that deer is standing in a puddle, it is illegal to shoot it. I mean, yeah. technically the way that's right. written now. Right. You know, I'm sure it was designed to prevent you from shooting swimming deer. Yeah. But yeah. that's not the way that it right the law is written right very it's very short very concise it says it w- it shall be unlawful to harvest a deer in water yeah yeah and i i know a lot of people that hunt you know Over creeks, right, a creek crossing or right something. at creek crossings right technically you have to wait right for right. that deer to cross that creek right you know or i mean in the situation where you have like a bottom where it's swampy Right, people you know that are I chasing mean, those the old, swamp donkeys. Right, right. Yeah. Overable <laughs> swamp donkey. That deer right. lives his whole life in water. Right. You know, so anytime that deer is on its feet, they know it, that law. They're the, smart. They must. Yeah. yeah. Is it in water? Is it? I mean, I don't know. I suspect that this had some origins in, because I remember seeing something about, like the native peoples of Alaska are allowed. Like they're the only people that are allowed to kill caribou while they're swimming swimming i believe i've heard that or seen yeah that. and so that that's one of their methods it's like right. they just they'll just run a boat up to them basically right. and shoot them in the head or whatever yeah and drag them into the boat drag them to shore or something like that yeah i suspect it had some origins in something like that a, a, an animal that's swimming is kind of in a vulnerable state right. it wasn't intended to you know oh that deer was standing in a puddle right come right. over here buddy i gotta write you a ticket right. you know that's right. not that's not what they intended that deer. Or standing in ankle deep water in a creek, right. even, you know. Right. Just if they're in a vulnerable state while swimming, you know, they, I suspect that's the intent of that law, but there again, right. one that you could break unknowingly. And I'm, I would venture to guess many people have broken it uh, and yeah. didn't I, know. I would guess that hundreds of people break that law a Every year. Every season, yeah. 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 You know, I mean, that's a common place to, I mean, people all the time, you set up on a creek crossing or creek crossing. Right. Right. My words mixed there. Or hunt in a swamp. Right. You know, I mean, the creek crossing is like the big thing. It's pinch points. Right. Well, you find the spot in the creek that's the lowest, that's where the deer are going to cross. Yep. So everyone hunts that. Well, then it works out perfectly to your plan and that deer's crossing the creek. Right. Right where you thought it was and you're 20 yards away. And you put an arrow in it before it turns around and goes the other way. Yep. And now all of a sudden you're, you know, it. You're a criminal. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely one that, uh, like I said, not the essence of the law, I'm sure. However, the law is what it is. And right. Like I said, it's very vaguely written. It's very short and concise. And it just says you cannot hunt a deer in water. In water. Yep. All right. So that was three. Jake, why don't you give us number four? All right, number four is actually one that we um, not personally had problems with, but we know someone who has down at our hunting cabin down in southern Ohio um, had issues that unknowingly that is illegal to skin a deer or remove its head prior to completing the game check process. Which that's another one that you would think, well, duh, why would you ever do that, right? Right. However, down at our cabin down in Southern Ohio, in that area, there is no cell service. Right. There's no internet for the most part. I mean, you'd have to have some sort of a satellite internet 
so maybe some of the locals down there do have internet access but for the most part there's no cell service you have to go to a special spot up on top of the hill right, just to get you cell can get service. signal yeah right so in the case that we know specifically where this person got in trouble you know deer season's been warm i don't know probably the last 10 years it seems shotgun season has been warm weather and the way the law is written is that the deer has to be checked game checked by i believe it's the what is it midnight of the night of the day you harvest it or is it noon the next day i don't remember i think it's noon noon the next day day, noon the next day so in this case person harvested the deer towards the evening it's not going to get below 60 degrees you know whatever 70 degrees i don't remember the specifics but it's like we got to get this deer skinned cut and quartered and in coolers get it on ice get it on ice and we'll deal with checking it in tomorrow or you know we'll drive up the hill later tonight right after dinner after yeah we'll drive up the hill while there's still light in the sky we gotta right we gotta take take care of this so that's what had happened and the game warden came by and said, I need to see the tags for all for this deer. Right. And, and assumed everything was on right. the up and up. Right. Gave this, him the, right. the temporary tag right. and actually ended up getting a ticket out of that situation. Right. So, and, I, and in this case, because, like I said, it was someone that we know um, that hunts down there. So we know specifically, but the fine associated with that was a pretty hefty one. I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was $200, $250, something like that. It wasn't yeah, like it was a remember. slap on the wrist, so to speak. I mean, it was a yeah pretty substantial fine for a simple oversight, you know. Yep. And you know, I could, like you said, it's yeah. Obviously, you can't cut up a deer before you check it in, or you know, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you break it down, but it also makes sense to do it the way this person did it. Right. You know, they had no ill will. Ill, ill intentions or ill will they fully planned on checking the deer in they were not trying to be sneaky or anything it's just yeah the easiest thing for them was to get that deer cool down on ice so the meat doesn't spoil before they could get up to the one spot in the county so to speak or whatever right. that has cell service another important thing to to know is that if a law isn't in the regs book a lot of people think if it's not in the regs book it's not a law right it's which not illegal that yeah. is absolutely not true because that is nowhere in the regs book that you can't break down you know skin at least at the time it wasn't it may be in there now i i'm not sure yeah i don't know at the time we we checked the regs book over and it it's not there right we probably should have i guess started with that the all of these hunting laws are in the ohio revised code that is the actual bible of hunting laws right right. um the regs book a lot of people think the regs book is the bible and the regs book is fairly thorough and touches on the big ones the big ones yep however there are things that don't make the regs book that specifically like this one is one um that you can get yourself in trouble for yep so jeff that was number four right this this will be number five so what's number five number five and this one is one that I know a lot of people break. It is in the regs book, but a lot of people don't think about it. And that is that during deer gun season, it is illegal to load your gun until legal shooting light, until half an hour before sunrise. And it's illegal to leave your gun loaded after legal shooting light, half an hour after sunset. 
Right. So you can't get out of your truck, step off the road or whatever, load your gun and walk up into the woods in the dark. You've got to wait until legal shooting hour to load your gun. Right. Same thing with coming out, right? Like you said, your gun, as if you sit till the last bit of legal shooting light, at that point, you've got to then unload your gun. You can't walk back with your gun loaded. That's an easy one to forget that, oh, yeah, I forgot to take the shells out of my gun. Right. And kind of where this kind of can catch people is, you know, if you're sitting at a field edge and you're waiting for legal shooting light and, you know, you can see the deer in the field. Right. You have to wait until legal shooting light, then load your gun. Right. And hope that that noise doesn't scare the deer away. Yep. Well, and the big one that gets me, and I I guarantee 99.9% of people that hunt muzzleloader season in the evening, you need to discharge your muzzleloader prior to leaving the woods a half mm, hour. I don't believe so. Mm. I think you just need to take the primer, the primer, primer off. off. I think yeah. it's considered unloaded. Okay. At yeah, because you can you can transport it as long as you don't have that the primer, the primer on. on it. Okay, it's considered an unloaded weapon. And that makes me feel better because yeah. I know I broke, I would have broken that law. Yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, cause, and that would be kind of dangerous too, because you'd have all these people at last light. Blouching their, blouching guns, their guns Yeah. Off. Just firing <laughs> their guns off. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So anyhow, back to that. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, something that I know for a fact that people load those guns before because yeah. of the noise part of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was shotgun. Ohio was a shotgun only state for a long time. Yeah. And loading a shotgun is not a quiet process. Right. You know, right. you're racking shells and it's, people don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and there again, I, I kind of doubt the intention of the law was to stop people from loading their guns as they're walking to their stand. It was like to, to stop people from shooting deer at night right. in the middle of the night. Right. 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 But the way the law is written, right. Well, and also to get rid of that temptation of, you know, if you're walking in and you jump a deer, if your gun's already loaded, you're tempted to shoot at night. Right, or you hear you hear something right, right. You're cracking tempted. through the brush next to you. Yeah, that's true. Where if your gun's not loaded, you right. know, it kind of takes that temptation away. That's true. That's probably a safety thing. Shouldn't be walking around in the dark with a loaded gun. Right. That's probably a good point. So those are our five... And then uh, we're going to give you a bonus. We're going to give you a bonus one because we couldn't we couldn't decide on just five. This last one is a big one. We could we could probably do a little sub episode on this one by itself. So if 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 people are interested, let us know. You know, if you want us to talk more about this, let us know, and we and we can do a sort of follow up episode on this. But basically it's kind of hard to distill this one down, but essentially any part of a deer, the meat, the taxidermy, any, any of that stuff needs to have your permanent tag number or some form of official validated seal of ownership. And and they, they go in, in the law, they go in to define what those are you know, it could be a, a salvage tag for, a, you know, a roadkill deer or, or whatever. But you need to keep your tag number accessible with your meat, 
It has to be attached to your taxidermy. It has to be, the big one is like if you find a dead deer in the woods and you take the skull or something, you technically need to have, you need to call the game warden and have them come give you a, a salvage tag or something to make that, to, so that you can legally take possession of that right. part of a deer, the right. skull, the antlers. The only that's, thing, a, that's a big one too, because I mean, deadheads as they're called. Right. Um, you know, you're walking People pick the them woods up all the time. All the time. You're turkey right. hunting in the spring and you come right. across deadheads and it's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take that. Right. The only thing that you're legally allowed to have without a, the only part of a deer that you're legally allowed to have without a tag number or some sort of valid certificate of ownership is our naturally shed antlers. Like I said, there's, this one has, you know, the main part and then tons of subparts. We'll again, link to this so that you guys can read through it. But you know, if you're doing, say you're just doing a skull cap and you're doing it yourself, like you need to have your tag number, your, your, and I think it's your confirmation. Confirmation. Number. Right. It's not yeah. just your purchase tag number. Right written on that and they you know they even specify like it needs to be in permanent ink it's got to be kept with it and that's i'm assuming the reason that there's parts and subparts and this is such a big one it is for the poaching aspect you know if somebody if you go into somebody's house and they got a bunch of taxidermy and or you know skulls and they they don't have any tag numbers to sort of say yeah that I, I harvested that animal legally now there's a problem right. it's it's not to bust the guy that's got a freezer full of deer meat and he doesn't know where his tag is or, you know, I'm assuming that's not the essence of the law. But technically, you need to keep all that stuff so that you're on the up and up. If somebody right. were to ask you, you need to be able to show your tag number. Right. I believe the way the law reads is you need to be in possession and be able to present that game check verification number until the entire deer is consumed. Right. So if you have a package of ground in the back of your freezer and the right. game warden has some other reason to be at your house, because they're not going to come just for that, obviously, yeah. but yeah. And they've come across that, add that to the list. Right. Right. That's right. That would be where you would get busted in right. that sense of the sense of the law. Right. I, after reading that one for, I don't know how many years now I've been doing it, but I actually just keep an Excel sheet with, my tag number, if it was uh, antlered or antlerless, date and time of heart, you know, basically the information that you would put on your tag. And I just keep an Excel sheet of all that stuff so that I don't have to keep paper tags and go, oh, I have these three tags from last season or right. this, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm not, not that. Not uh, that nerdy. Nerdy, yeah. <laughs> I just have a piece of notebook paper that I write the tag numbers on and just keep it in a cupboard in my kitchen what happens if your house burns but well the meat's gonna burn too then and it doesn't matter good point good point you don't really need a redundant system at that point yeah okay do do you have redundancy on where your meat's at do you store it at different locations so you don't lose it all if your house burns no but that's you might want to work on that well but two freezers right uh, i mean i'm rocking three if, yeah. you, if one freezer goes down, you don't right. lose everything. Right. I have three freezers with your yeah. meat in it. I have two. You only have one? We we only we keep everything in the deep freeze. We In the chest freezer, we then transfer things to the fridge freezer okay. as we're getting ready to use it. So it's not Fair enough. really like it's spread between both. Right. Okay. Although I'm 
I don't know. I'm, I might need to get a, another freezer or a bigger, maybe I'll just get another one so I can have a redundant system. There I can have some safety built in. Right. Because we, we do buy some beef. And so if I get one big deer and the beef, our freezer's pretty full. It's a, you know, it's a smaller chest freezer. I might need to invest in another one because it's not enough to get us through. You know, we mm-hmm. end up, we could live on venison if I shot two big deer. Right. We wouldn't need the beef. Although sometimes, a, you know, beef steak is nice. Right. But. right. My problem is having babies. My wife's breast milk takes up a freezer. Oh. So that complicates my deer we're, storage. We're getting really far down rabbit holes here. I think I mean, going to sleep we get on, on the couch after she yeah. hears this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, but no, that's why we got our third, because third freezer. It's actually a combo. See, this is how I convinced my wife to let me get this. It's actually my kegerator oh. has a freezer on top. And she's like, oh, you don't need that kegerator. And I'm like, but we do need another freezer. That's smart thinking. Right. So we use that freezer. It's my, on top of my keg. It's a full-size fridge with a freezer on top. Yeah. The fridge part is a kegerator. Shameless plug. Local Harvest Brewing Company. Check them out. Check them out. Is, uh, so it's homebrew in there. And then... On top, I got that stuff full of venison, and then the other two chest freezers are a combination of some venison, some other frozen stuff, and then breast milk for the baby. So Okay. Well, those are our five laws that you might not know you're breaking. And a bonus. And a bonus. So you got uh, more for your money. Right. Got six for the price of five. Right. That's a good deal. Yeah, it is. So... We appreciate everybody listening. Please uh, give us a review on iTunes. Leave us feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. If you like what you're hearing, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Check us out on Facebook at Ohio Huntsman. Instagram at Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And again, just thanks for listening.